Yes. So um, glad you guys could make it out this morning. So we are doing this. Uh, we started a series in Jonah last week, but the plan for the whole spring semester is we're going to, um, about once a month, you're going to hear a life story of one of our leaders. And so today, um, we're going to put them usually at the end of the month. And so today, um, we're going to have one of our interns share her life story. And then you guys are still going to have discussion questions um, at your tables after um, we had, had these testimonies. And really, the point of us doing this, we did this last summer as kind of our summer series. And it was this um, kind of super popular thing that you guys really got into. We really appreciate our leaders sharing last summer. Many powerful stories were shared. You guys can go back and listen to it online if you want to hear the ones from last summer. But um, we wanted to get other people up here that aren't normally here in the summertime. And so you'll see a lot of our interns that are like, they're in college, they live far away, and they can't be here in the summertime. So um, today we have Kaylee Harris is going to share with us. So I'm going to call her up on the stage here. And I'm just going to pray for her um, before she gets going here. So um, you can just grab a seat. I'll pray for you. Thanks so much for doing this. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for um, today. We thank you that um, we get to hear from Kaylee today and get to hear just the ways in which you have worked in her life. And uh, God, I know there's so many different stories in this room. And some people, it's their first time here, or maybe they haven't been here in a while. And they've come back into the outback. Um, maybe they've been here forever, and, and they just need to see you through someone else's eyes this morning. And I pray, God, that um, they would do that today. I pray that whatever Kaylee shares from her own life and experience would um, just encourage us and, and give us hope and give us an understanding of um, your transforming power in our lives, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's welcome Kaylee up here, guys. Thank you so much. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Hey, guys. Um, I'm super excited to be able to get up and share with you all a little bit about my life story this morning. Um, I know I don't know all of you in the room, so for those who don't know me, um, I'll just start with a little crash course into who I am. Um, but like Dave said, my name's Kaylee. Um, I'm 21 years old, and I'm an intern here with the Junior Girls. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I go to school in Belton here at UNHB, um, and I'm graduating in May from their nursing program. So really excited. <laughs> um, but I'm originally from a town south of Houston called Friendswood. Um, it's not necessarily a small town, but I usually just group it in with Houston because nobody really knows where Friendswood is. Um, but I have a couple pictures for y'all. None of those things were wrong or bad, but that was really just kind of the extent of my prayer life. Um, I knew who God was and that he had sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, but it didn't necessarily feel personal. I think it really lacked that personal connection. Um, the depth of my relationship with God was really rather shallow, if I were to be honest. Um, and that type of faith sustained me for a while, but life just kind of gets harder and more complicated as you grow up. So um, that shallow, knowledge-based, one plus two equals three faith um, really grew harder to hold on to as things just became more complicated. Um, I've always been a, a peacekeeper, people pleaser, rule follower all of my life. Um, I like feeling safe, comfortable, at peace, who doesn't. Um, I was always the student that got straight A's, and I lived in 
fear that my family would, um, or my parents would be disappointed in me, even though they set no unrealistic expectations on me. Um, I basically just wanted everybody around me to like each other and everybody around me to like me. Um, those clear lines, or path, if you will, um, that I had always followed really began to grow blurry in junior high. Uh, friends, boys, school, life itself just kind of grew more complicated. Um, my conversations with God really began to grow shorter as that uh, was more difficult to control uh, the chaos around me. When I was in eighth grade, my older sister um, graduated high school and went off to college in San Antonio. Um, up to that point, she was my rock, my role model, my best friend. Um, I really envied her relationship with God. I couldn't quite understand how mine didn't look like hers or what the missing piece was. So when she left, I really felt like I had lost my most direct link to God. Uh, that same year, one of my dogs passed away. Um, and if you've ever had a dog, you can understand. It, it really is devastating when um, they pass away because it is like losing a best friend. Um, so these events, just on top of the basic presser, pressures and stress of junior high, um, just resulted in feeling like a complete loss of control. Um, overwhelming and suppressed emotions just began to kind of build up inside. Um, the life that had seemed so simple started to just grow really complicated. Um, kind of feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders and it was up to me to keep everything normal and at peace. Um, just really began to drive a wedge between me and God. I was angry at what I had lost and confused as to where God was in the midst of it and just disappointed that I couldn't keep it all together. Um, my shallow faith was failing me, so I turned to sin instead. I think that committing my secret sins really made it feel like I still maintained some sense of control in my life. Um, but as I knowingly dove deeper into that sin, um, my heart just began to harden in correlation. I felt like if God wasn't going to be there to fix things up and make it all good again, then I was going to be fine on my own. I didn't need him. It was okay. And I really began to just grow indifferent towards him. Um, even those secret sins, though, just couldn't sustain the peace or give me the control that I felt like I needed. In John 8, verse 34, Jesus tells us that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And that's exactly how I felt, enslaved. I tried to keep up appearances around my friends and my family, but that just made me overall exhausted. Because going through the motions is tiring and it's life-sapping, guys. And I was just left feeling empty and alone with a lot of guilt and shame starting to catch up to me. I knew that my sin was wrong, but I just didn't know if I was ready to give that up yet. And what if when I was ready to give it up, God didn't want me anymore? What if I was too far gone or a little bit too dirty to ever be clean again? These thoughts just seemed to kind of weigh on my heart and my mind for what felt like forever. Um, I didn't really know if there would ever be a time in my life where I didn't have that shame and that guilt. It just all seemed kind of um, hopeless and bleak. Um, but when I was in high school, I attended my church's Collide event, which is really similar to TBC's The Way. Um, I had attended this event 
for years, and this time it just felt different. My heart was so hard and unwilling, um, and yet by God's great grace and perfect plan, and probably some parental coercion, I still went that year. From the beginning of the weekend, I could almost physically feel God knocking on the walls of my heart, and I have yet to feel the same feeling since then. It was so unique, and I was immediately resistant and utterly terrified. What would happen if I gave into his prodding? Would I break? Would I cry? I sure know that I didn't want to cry, because what if I couldn't stop crying? What if opening my heart to him meant showing him the secret sins that I had tried so hard to hide? Would he still want me if he knew the extent of everything that I had done? It seems almost silly to think that I was somehow convinced myself to think that I was hiding anything from him, but that's what I had somehow convinced myself to believe. Um, and at some point during that weekend, I just began to feel like there was nowhere else to hide, there was nowhere else to run. Um, resisting just seemed kind of pointless. I needed him. I needed help. I needed freedom. I was tired of being enslaved. So reluctantly, and again only by his grace, I surrendered. And you know what? I did cry a lot, and I did feel broken. Um, but I think that being completely broken was the only way that he could rebuild those broken pieces into the life he had originally. Hello. Oh, hello there. <laughs> um, I think that just being completely broken was the only way that he could rebuild my life into what he had originally designed it to be. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me if you want to Luke 7, 36 through 50. Um, it's here that we find the story of a woman with whom I find myself relating to. Starting in verse 7, 37, it says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he, meaning Jesus, was reclining at a table in a Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And a little later on, if we keep reading, um, we see Jesus turning his face towards a woman, saying, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Um, I really love this story because it's so real and relatable. Um, we're introduced to this shameful sinner pouring out their heart and their tears to the only one who could rescue them, the only one who could defend them. And that's where I found myself that weekend, uh, at the feet of Jesus, tired of running and desperate for someone to reach out and save me from myself and from my sin. And that's just what he did. My guilt and shame, striving and loneliness, were immediately met with his unrelenting love, incomparable grace, 
in complete forgiveness of my sins through Jesus' death and resurrection. I surrendered myself to him, broken pieces and all, and began for the first time in my life to really understand what an intimate relationship with him looks like. I actually began to read my Bible, not just to follow my parents' example, because, but because I wanted to get to know this God who had redeemed my life from the pit. And as I read, God began revealing himself and his character to me in different ways. I started to see the Bible differently and to see God differently. I began to claim his words and his promises in scripture as my own. I began to take it personally. I discovered that you could talk to God in prayer like you would a friend because he cared that much. He loved to hear about the tiny, minuscule details of my everyday life. I found myself beginning to fall in love with this great creator God who was constantly pursuing me each day. And this freedom that I had experienced through Jesus changed my perspective. It changed my relationships. And the only explanation that I had was Jesus. Jesus and his transforming power that saves lives. I'd like to say that from that point on, it was me and Jesus like this, but that's not necessarily realistic. I still see sorrow and tragedy play out in my life at times. Um, I still find myself in dry seasons in my walk with God that just result in a lack of desire to read my Bible and pray. Um, I still fall short daily in sin, even though I know what's right and wrong. But that's where the beauty of the gospel comes in. God doesn't just wait in disappointment or bitterness or anger for me to repent and return to him again. No, time and time again, with open arms, he runs out to embrace me and welcome me home. Luke 15 puts it this way. And he, meaning the prodigal son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Uh, one of my favorite devotional books puts it another way. It says, it is a faith walk, taken one step at a time, leaning on me as much as you need. It's not a path of continual success, but of multiple failures. However, each failure is followed by a growth spurt and nourished by increased reliance on me. So enjoy the blessedness of a victorious life through deepening your dependence on me. Um, one theme that has remained kind of constant through it all uh, is faithfulness. Not Kaylee's faithfulness, but God's faithfulness. And there's three specific instances or milestones um, that come to mind in which God's faithfulness really stands out to me. Um, one of those milestones took place my junior year of high school. I was super active in volleyball with uh, a homeschool team that I played for, um, working out multiple times a week, uh, lots of games, lots of practices, really rigorous, um, but I just didn't love the way that I looked in my uniform. Uh, I thought that maybe simply changing the way that I ate would help me feel better, but instead I sort of stopped eating. Uh, Sadly, the issue of low self-esteem and struggle with body image is all too common in today's society, and it seemed to have yet claimed another victim. Uh, I knew that it was true that my family and friends loved me for me and accepted me exactly the way that I was, but it just didn't feel like the truth. 
Uh, thankfully, my parents noticed my unhealthy eating habits before I reached a dangerously low body weight. Um, but unfortunately, some damage had already been done to my physical health. Uh, in fact, up until this past year, um, having nearly five years passed, I had feared that I had irreversibly damaged my body due to my struggle with self-worth. Um, however, not only is God still restoring me and redefining my definition of beauty on a daily basis, but I'm now seeing evidence of complete and total healing of my physical body. Faithful. Even when hopefulness seems pointless, God steps in like he so often does and shows himself to be so undeservingly faithful to me. Nothing about me, nothing that I do deserves it, but that's just the God we serve. The next big milestone um, of God's faithfulness that marks my life uh, occurred the summer after my senior year of high school. Up until that point, I had really only been on small local mission trips in which we would go and clean houses or pick up public property like trash. Um, but for some reason that summer, I had set my heart on going to the Middle East to work with Syrian refugees with my church. Uh, now, I had never even flown on an airplane much less traveled across oceans to a foreign country without my parents, but uh, that summer I did both. I don't think anything uh, could have really prepared me, though, for what I both saw and experienced in the Middle East. I played with genuinely happy kids in the street who had nothing and who were treated as outcasts in this country that they sought refuge, um, and yet they loved so well. I experienced probably for the first time, the pain of a language barrier and the incomparable joy of communicating with only a smile and a squeeze of the hand. I met women who risked both their lives and their children's lives on a daily basis by putting their faith in Jesus. I heard the most unimaginable stories and met the most unforgettable faces, um, and I wondered how I had ever lived out my faith so complacently before. How had I so often neglected to pick up my Bible when these women were clinging to it for dear life, if they even were so lucky to have a Bible? Uh, I left the Middle East that summer with tears in my eyes uh, and a longing in my heart to return overseas again and again and again. And all this from a series of random small decisions that led me to say yes on a whim to going overseas. No. <laughs> All of this solely a result of God's faithfulness to change my heart and my desires to match his heart and his desires. He knew ahead of time that I would fall in love with his people overseas, and he knew ahead of time that it would forever change my perspective. His plans are always good and perfect because he himself is a good and perfect God. Faithful. Which brings me to my third milestone and one that I'm still living out today. Uh, as I've mentioned before, control is kind of a big thing for me. I like to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and how it's all going to turn out in the end. I'm 100% the type of person who will not watch a movie or read a book unless I know it's going to end the way that I want it to end. I like predictability. Uh, therefore, anxiety has always seemed to creep in when I don't feel in control and when I don't know what's going to happen next. 
And believe it or not, college has been a great source of anxiety. So much seems out of control and scary and unknown when you're away from your family for maybe the first time, um, starting a new season of life all on your own. Will I make enough new friends? Will I change my major? Will I graduate on time? Where will I work when I graduate? Where will I live? So many questions that seem unanswered, and so much of the future just seems unknown. But I'm slowly finding that we can trust the unknown to a known God. Throughout my college experience, I've seen God's faithfulness time and time again in revealing just the next step and in providing exactly what I need just for that day. It's been a learning process for sure. There's times when I still feel anxious, but I know that I can find peace only in my faithful, all-knowing God who doesn't abandon when things get hard, but delights in abiding with me in the hard times. Faithful. Now, I'm nowhere near perfect, and neither is my walk with God, um, but thankfully that's not what he requires. Um, he never stops refining, sanctifying, and welcoming me home when I momentarily turn away from him. And my prayer and challenge for you today is to find yourself often at the feet of Jesus in a posture of surrender and desperation for him. Because this is the God we serve who invites us into intimate fellowship with him every day. Um, thank you all again for just letting me share a little bit of my story with you. Um, so let me just pray for us, and then you can find some discussion questions at your table. Uh, God, thank you so much for each of the students that are here today, um, that you brought them here for a purpose. God, thank you for your redemptive power um, that changes lives, that you chase after us even when we're running the opposite direction. Lord, thank you that even when we don't see it and even when we don't feel it, you're still working. Um, God, we just want to bring you the glory. Um, we just want to ask that you would reveal yourself and your character to us in new ways this week, God, um, and that you would draw us closer to yourself. In your name we pray. Amen.